commitment, dedication, success. Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, the most trusted name in executive search and consulting, welcomes you to the KKNW podcast, where we delve deep into the not so simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video strategist, Corey Saban. Welcome to the KKNW podcast. We hope this show is a resource for you to stay up to date on the latest trends, garner some new ideas and information to help you grow and enhance your operation. I'm really excited about today's guest because she fills a tremendous need in the club space. She can help you create a framework and provide the resources to selecting top talent, getting the most out of them and creating productive work environments. Jody Cuttingham is currently the CEO and talent optimization expert with Optimus Talent Partners. She's worked with the Four Seasons, the LA Rams, and now Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. Jody's an instructor at the CMAA Business Managed Institute. She regularly offers highly attended educational workshops on human resources, talent acquisition, and leadership topics at the CMAA World Conference. And for all chapters as well, Jody, so great to speak with you. Well, thank you so much, Corey. I'm excited to be here. Well, your background is so diverse. I mean, you worked with the Four Seasons, and then like a college recruit, you took your talents to the NFL, working with the Rams. How was that experience? <laughs> it was great. Uh, good thing they didn't hire me for my on-field talent experience. Uh, but I am a huge football fan, so it was a blast. And truth be told, my husband was probably more excited than me uh, for joining the Rams, so that was pretty exciting. <laughs> so how did your talents help an NFL team? And I, I know it's a, it's about teamwork, but tell me how that then correlates to the club industry. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, a, a, an NFL team is a business, just like a club is a business. And, uh, and so really my role with the Rams was to come in and provide HR talent acquisition uh, expertise and build their HR processes. Uh, ironically, when I joined uh, the Rams in 2013, uh, they didn't actually have an HR person on, on the staff. It was all the managers that kind of jumped in and, and did the HR. Wow. Uh, they, they, really, the managers, the operational managers, were handling all of the, the HR requirements. And so uh, bringing me in, I built HR processes. I built talent acquisition strategies. Uh, and really, a lot of my time was spent on the business side. So, you want well, the, was not out there um, on the draft board picking players. Uh, although we did use some data analytics periodically to uh, help in the selection process on the player side. But really, the majority of what I did was on the business side, helping all the different departments uh, with talent acquisition, with retention, with employee engagement. Uh, performance management, coaching and counseling, all of those sorts of things. And so building really strong processes to teach managers how to do that effectively so that we could be a successful organization. Uh, so that was, that was really my, my, uh, my marching orders when I, jo when I joined the team. And, uh, and, of course, it was a blast. You know, it's interesting you say that because so often, just like NFL teams, clubs have a plan for everything from golf to marketing, but it sounds like they don't have a people plan, and it sounds like that's something that was missing from the Rams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ironically, certainly on the player side, the Rams had a great people plan, right? I mean, that's what, that's what they do. They focus on talent acquisition and all the different metrics that go into selecting a player on the draft board and, and then, of course, on draft night. Uh, but on the 
on the business side and, and much the same in the club industry, many times we skip that step. You know, we, we forget about the people plan. We have, you know, as you mentioned, agronomic plans. We have uh, capital expenditure plans. We have long-range plans. But we forget to put together the people plan. And that is a critical component because, ironically, the only way we can achieve our business results in the club industry is with and through our people. And if we're not strategic on the people and the team that we put together – well, we're never going to hit the results we're looking for. So, so that is absolutely a critical component to being a successful organization. So how do you put together a good people plan? Well, uh, first of all, we got to figure out what we're trying to accomplish as a club. Uh, so we need to have the business strategy. We need to understand, okay, this year, next year, five years from now, what are we looking to accomplish? Uh, the next step is to make sure that we uh, take a st- strong, hard look at who we already have. I mean, all of our clubs out there already are filled with great, talented people. Let's make sure that we understand what are the strengths of those people. They may be in the wrong role, right? You may have an individual that has all kinds of great strengths, but we're not using them effectively. And uh, so we may need to re- kind of reposition people and, and use those strengths more effectively. So really taking a, a deep look into the talent we already have and then determine, based on what we're trying to accomplish as a club, let's determine what additional talent do we need. And then we put a strategy together to go out and find that talent. It could be high-level positions where you would engage someone like Copeland, Keebler, and Wallace to do an executive search, uh, but it's also mid-level and lower-level management, supervisory, hourly staff. Uh, we've got to have a plan to hire the right people so that we can achieve our business objectives. So that's really the first step in figuring out how to create a people plan is to understand what are we trying to accomplish with those people. You know, so often in the NFL, you'll hear on draft day, so-and-so has a vertical of this and he can bench press X amount of pounds and does this, that, and the other. And on paper, they look good, but they use predictive indexing as well. And I know that's something you used with the Rams when they decided to choose Jared Goff. Is that correct? That is correct. And ironically, we're talking about that now after this last week's uh, activity uh, in the trade market. Uh, But yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that professional sports does really well is they use a variety of different metrics to measure what they're looking for. A lot of the times in the hiring process at our clubs, we just look at somebody's resume and if they've got, you know, I don't know, private club experience or at a platinum club or or something similar, we think, ah, well, then they're going to be perfect for us. But that's not the case because uh, we also need to look at the team. We need to look at the managers that this person will report to. We need to look at what we're trying to accomplish. And so we need to be really strategic with that. And so when I was with the Rams, uh, they used a variety of different metrics and data sources, certainly uh, predictive index, doing behavioral and cognitive assessments to understand you know, what behaviors are critical and necessary for any given position uh, within the team, whether it's the team on the field or it's the team in the business office. We need to understand what behaviors are critical and necessary for high performance in that role. Because nine times out of ten, when we hire somebody in, the reason somebody gets fired or they disengage and they leave, it's not because of what was on their resume. It's all because of how they're wired, their behavioral makeup, that they just weren't behaviorally suited for the role, whether they weren't organized enough, they weren't detailed enough, they weren't social enough, they had a hard time connecting with members, they had a tough time developing their team or making strategic decisions. Those are all behavioral drivers. And that's not anything that you're going to be able to measure on a resume. And so resumes are incredibly important. We need that information. 
but we also need additional metrics to make smart hiring decisions. And that's where something such as the predictive index comes into play. Uh, it can give you great insight into how somebody's going to perform, and, and basically that's what it's doing, it's predicting behavior in the workplace. And what I also like about it is it gives the manager an opportunity to understand what motivates that employee as well. And if they work well in groups or they're kind of a loner, whatever it may be, because you're right, it, the resume doesn't tell the whole story. And the predictive index assessment really helps managers learn how to manage their teams more effectively and get the most out of them, I would think. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that many times as managers, and this happens to everybody, uh, it's human nature, but we tend to manage people the way that we would want to be managed. Because when you're working with someone who's similar to yourself, managing them is intuitive, right? So, you know, if somebody's same as me, then I manage them the way I would want to be managed. That kind of that golden rule idea. Uh, but really, we need to call, follow what's called the platinum rule, which is manage uh, people the way that they need to be managed, not the way you needed to be managed. And sometimes, I mean, how do you know what that is? How do you know what they need? And that's where these types of behavioral analytics can really play a huge role in helping you better understand what team members need, what type of communication they need from you, how much detail do they need from you, how much social interaction do they need from you, uh, public, private recognition, all of those factors uh, really can be told through something such as a predictive index. Because if you're managing every employee the same way, it's like, I don't know, it's like giving them the same size shoes to wear. I mean, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's annoying, and eventually they're, they're just going to become irritated and they're going to leave. <laughs> because you're not managing them the way that they need to be managed. Um, and you're, you're ultimately losing out on engagement because you're, you're, you're expecting them to conform to you rather than you figuring out what makes them tick, what buttons to push to help them be more productive, to allow them to use their strengths, so on and so forth. What I really love about that is you'll get some old school managers who may say, oh, that's some hippie stuff. I'm not doing that. But if you think of it at the end of the day, it's really going to make your operation better because you're understanding your employees and then everything's running like a, a well-greased wheel, if you will. Absolutely, right? And you don't have to figure it out. I mean, when you use behavioral analytics, it's right there in front of you. And, and one of the things I love about predictive index is that it's easy to use. So managers, you know, managers are busy. They don't have time to read, you know, 20, 30, 40 page report and then try to absorb it and then try to figure out how do I apply this. Uh, PI makes it very simple and easy to use, um, easy to use formats and various different management resources and coaching guides and relationship guides. You know, if, if you know, for example, Corey, if I'm working with you, and of course I have some insight into your PI because you took a PI a couple days ago. <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, and I won't share all the juicy details, but I do know that you need social interaction with other people. 100%. You enjoy, you get, yeah, and you, you get energy from it. And so, if your job was to sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day and not talk to anybody, at the end of the day, you'd be exhausted. And if you had to do that for a long period of time, you likely would eventually just leave the job because it's just not you. You're not getting what you need. But if I know that you need that social interaction, even though your job might be a computer job, I can now integrate more social interaction into what you're doing every day. I can make sure I stop by your cubicle and say hello. I can make sure that you have those opportunities to interact with your coworkers more, more effectively and more socially. And so uh, the more I know about how you're wired, the more I can create a work environment that's really going to help you be more engaged, more productive, more efficient. 
And I tell you, I, I took the test and I was a little uh, reticent at first, but uh, I was surprised how spot on it was if you take the time and you answer honestly. And everything that I read in the assessment that you shared with me was 100% me. So, yes, I, I thank you for that. And you're right. I do need those people to come by and say hi. I like to collaborate. I like to work as a team and share ideas, big picture type stuff. You know, one Absolutely. of the things I'd like to jump into is the value of an HR audit. And that's something I want you to be thinking about because many managers, they're good at F&B or they're good at something else. And then all of a sudden they're made a manager and they don't really have the tools, if you will. And they make many mistakes when interviewing prospects to work with them. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that. Maximize your return on investment by utilizing the expertise of the Copling, Keebler and Wallace team. They have an unparalleled over 400 combined years of club and hospitality management experience to invest in your operation. They are not just another search firm. They are your trusted partners and advisors dedicated to ensuring your success. Quality isn't expensive, it's priceless. Copland, Keebler & Wallace, McMahon Group, and Club Benchmarking, three of the most highly respected firms serving private clubs, have established the Club Leadership Alliance. After more than 10 years of working together independently, the firms felt it was essential to work more closely in order to more effectively serve clubs in all of their operational, financial, staffing, strategic, and facility aspects. Our vision for the industry is a transformation of the club leadership model through widespread understanding and adoption of the best practices that lead to sustained club success. Learn more at www.clubleadershipalliance.com. So we're back with Jody Cuttingham. I'm Corey Sabin from videobolt.com. Jody, so let's talk about the value of an HR audit. What is that and why is it necessary for clubs? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, what an HR audit is, it basically involves taking an intensely objective look at your HR policies, your procedures, your practices to identify whether those practices are adequate, uh, that they're legal, that they're effective. Because you want to make sure that your HR practices are helping your club's ability to achieve their business objectives rather than hindering that ability, right? So an HR audit is really important because you need to understand how is uh, what you're doing on a daily basis from a people perspective either helping or hindering your ability to achieve your results. And uh, so an audit really is kind of two parts. It's twofold. One, we're going to go in, I'm going to come in and and do an organizational operational policy review, looking at your practices, your processes in key areas, such as recruiting, both internal and external, uh, employee retention, performance management, employee relations, training and development, diversity and inclusion initiatives, um, compensation and benefits. I mean, any of those people-related processes and procedures, uh, an HR audit is going to dig into those to understand what are you doing well and where can you improve. It's really all the people parts of the club. And then the second part of an HR audit is also to review uh, current HR indicators. So, again, it's all about metrics. (laughs) Hmm. So, number of unfilled positions. Uh, How long does it take you to fill those positions? What are your turnover rates? What are your employee satisfaction rates? Uh, 
Um, how many internal grievances are filed on a regular basis and how do they get resolved? How many legal complaints have you had over a certain time period? Um, exit interview data, uh, maybe even online reviews with Glassdoor and Indeed.com. Let's take a look at all of those metrics to see how we're doing uh, to understand how we manage our people processes because those people processes directly impact uh, recruitment, retention, employee engagement, employee morale, which ultimately impacts your membership satisfaction and overall club success. So we need to make sure that we're getting all of those sorts of, sort of things right. And it doesn't mean you need more policies. You just need to have the right policies. It doesn't mean that you need more processes, but you need to make sure we have efficient processes so that we can achieve what we're trying to achieve as a club. And so that's what an HR audit will do. I come in, I look at all those parts and pieces, I evaluate what's working, maybe what's missing, maybe how you're exposed from a legal perspective, and then I provide suggestions, recommendations on things you should do to make sure you kind of get things in line uh, so that it can be much more an efficient, productive workplace. And I assume you come back uh, maybe in six months or a year, I would think, to make sure they're executing on the plan. Is that correct? Absolutely. If that's part of, uh, of what they want me to do, uh, that's absolutely something that can be included in there. Uh, because ultimately, you know, I think as, as operational club leaders, uh, you're not HR experts, right? And, and nor do you want to be. Because if you wanted to be an HR expert, you would have gone into HR. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not the area that you wanted to be in. And so, so many times, private clubs, but also small businesses and even some medium-sized businesses, they try to handle HR on their own, but the problem is it becomes more and more complex, especially in our current you know, economic times with workplace policies and things like that. I mean, it's just tough to keep up. And so you shouldn't be spending all your time trying to be the HR expert. You can bring somebody in such as me to help you understand what things are important, what things aren't important, and where we should be focusing our time uh, so that so that you can make sure that you're creating a work environment that's going to help you achieve your business results. What is uh, the effectiveness of these audits that you've done? What do clubs say after you've left? Well, firstly, the first part of it is that they're overwhelmed with the amount of information they get from me. <laughs> so part of the audit process is I go through and I look at what you have or you don't have is that I provide an exorbitant amount of templates, things that you need, that even if you don't have me come in and execute plans for you, uh, I will provide you resources that then you can take and kind of plug and play to some extent, you know, put your own logo on it and uh, kind of change things up. Uh, but things have already, in a, in a very basic level, been established for you to build on if you'd like to do that. So really, after an HR audit is done, um, the clarity that managers get in how to uh, even, you know, let's use it recruitment for an example. Uh, a lot of clubs don't have a formalized recruitment process. So where do we post jobs? What do those job postings look like? When I have applicants, how do they apply? How do I decide which applicants to bring in for an interview? When I bring them in, what questions do I ask? Who's in charge of the decision-making process? What does the offer process look like? What I can do is come in and put clarity around all of that, build a process, and then teach managers how to effectively execute the process so that they don't have to build it. All they have to do is learn how to execute it. And, uh, and I teach them how to be really great interviewers, how to really dig in and figure out which candidate's going to be the best person for the job, and then how to make sure that onboarding experience is great, uh, providing some structure, making sure they're trained. So this way, the operational managers don't have to figure out how to build it. All they have to do is execute a program that I'm bringing to them. 
and hypothetically, they're then making a decision on a candidate and they're deciding between two candidates. Is this where the predictive index assessment might come in to help them lean towards one candidate over another? Sure. It can absolutely give insight. In fact, I encourage my clients to make sure they're using predictive index at the very beginning. So when applicants are applying for a position, uh, they're not just submitting their resume and their cover letter, but they're also taking a predictive index so that you have that metric to draw on before you even decide who you're going to call for a screening interview, before you decide who you're going to spend time with. Because just because their resume may say that they're a good fit, once you see their, their behavioral assessment, you may think, huh, gosh, nope, I'm not going to start with that candidate. I'm going to start with a better match uh, candidate. And, and it can really help kind of funnel the candidate pool, especially when you have a, a lot of volume from a candidate perspective. You know, it's interesting not to have you uh, give us any dirty secrets, but when you were with the Rams and they selected Jared Goff, if I recall, the other quarterback on the board was Carson Wentz. So did they do this with both players? And is there a reason they chose Goff over Wentz, if you happen to know? Uh, Yes, they did do it with both players. And there's definitely a reason why they chose one over the other. Uh, Of course, I can't share what that reason is. However, uh, it it was very slight. And so um, it's an important metric. And it's one of many metrics, just like in any hiring decision, you're hiring the whole person. You're not just hiring their natural behaviors or their cognitive ability. Certainly on the field, there's a talent component, right? <laughs> how fast can they run? How strong, can, how accurate are their throws? I mean, all of those sorts of things come into play in the decision-making process. Uh, but having somebody's behavioral makeup is a huge indicator of performance. Does this person need to be, you know, since we're using football as an example, does this person need to be the leader in the locker room? Is this person an individual that needs to spend hours upon hours looking at film and perfecting his craft? Uh, Is this an individual that uh, needs to be active in the community and being really kind of a, a more social individual that's the face of the franchise? All of those things are behavioral issues. And so we want to make sure that we're getting the right person in those roles to be able to fulfill all the job requirements, the essential ones that you're looking for. And so that's where this type of behavioral data can make a big impact. And a tremendous impact on the club industry. So when we come back, what I'd like to do is you remember the comedian Jeff Foxworthy, you may be a redneck if. Well, what I'd like to do, Jody, if you're okay with it, you might need an HR consultant if. So we'll come back and we will do that after we hear a few words from our sponsors. Are you effectively communicating with your members and prospects? Clubs that use regular video updates build stronger relationships. They allow members and staff to always be in the know. The best part? Videobolt.com does it all for you. Your dedicated producer will help you create a video content plan that we write, host, and produce and deliver in two days or less. No hassles or headaches. See why the top clubs are working with Videobolt.com and how they keep their members engaged. To learn more, visit videobolt.com slash clubs or call 855-235-0040. As clubs, communities, and businesses begin to manage post-COVID, now is the perfect opportunity to refresh your service team's training, standards, and hospitality skills. Whether you have a seasoned team or brand new interns, Copling, Keebler, and Wallace's hospitality and food and beverage programs are designed to get everyone operating at peak performance. Jody, so you may be a redneck if I have no one-liners, nor am I going to steal (laughs) Jeff Foxworthy's material, but you might need an HR consultant if what? Perhaps a lack of process comes to mind? Absolutely. 
absolutely right. That's usually the first place that, that that clubs will start is they're they're missing something in the people process. So if there's a lack of process and procedure when it comes to all of your people related functions, right? Whether it's recruitment, it's onboarding, it's training, it's coaching. Uh, managers are struggling with all of those sorts of things. Um, maybe maybe there's an issue from a legal perspective. Maybe you think there's some exposure there. Uh, maybe there is uh, exposure from not having harassment training or anti-discrimination training. Uh, so basically an HR audit can really help you better understand where am I exposed, how can I be more efficient, more productive with my team. And so that is certainly one of the reasons you might need an HR consultant. Do many clubs struggle with onboarding and training? Oh, yes. <laughs> and you know why? It's because they're busy. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, as operational managers, whether you're in food and beverage or you're in uh, golf or recreation or, or membership or whatever part of the club you work in, you know, your expertise is in those areas. And so uh, many times if a club doesn't have onboarding and, and training, uh, they struggle with putting it together because it's not necessarily their expertise. So it kind of takes me back to where when we were talking about, you know, I create the process, you learn to execute the process. And, and so that can be a huge resource for managers to be more effective in that area. And I would assume this helps with employee engagement as well. That would be a, another reason you need an HR consultant. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you notice that you have engagement issues, uh, whether it's turnover, whether it's morale, it's a toxic work environment, you may have one or two managers that seem to be struggling with accountability or, or something of that sort. All of those sorts of things bring down the productivity of teams, uh, which directly impacts the club's ability to achieve their business results. You know, the other thing that I, I think is important to remember is many times in our clubs, we have promoted people into management roles, but we forgot to train them. Mm. So they were really good at doing the work. But now their job isn't to do the work. Their job is to lead the people that do the work. And so we have to provide them education and knowledge to better do those parts of their job. They're really good at executing food and beverage knowledge, the functional parts of their job, the, the golf knowledge, the, the, uh, the, the recreation knowledge, whatever their area of expertise is. They're good at that. But likely they've never been trained to be a better manager interview better when they're hiring and selecting, having effective coaching conversations, uh, doing performance reviews effectively. All of those sorts of things many times have not been taught. And so as an HR consultant, I can help in those areas as well. I like the interviewing thing that you just touched on because in today's day and age especially, there are probably some questions that you should definitely avoid and some that you have to uh, stick to religiously so that you don't find yourself getting in deep water. Absolutely. Right. I, I quite often will get in my in my seminars with uh, the CMAA if I do an interviewing skills seminar. OK, well, what are the illegal questions? Mm. Well, there are no illegal questions, but there are questions that you ask that could eventually get you in hot water because of the answers that they elicit. So uh, it's really important that you have a good understanding of what's OK, what's not OK, and really what the purpose is behind the question. Uh, is it job related? All those sorts of things. So there's just so much detail that we can dig into, and I can create customized training programs for your leadership team based on your processes, procedures, and club goals 
to make sure that your managers have the skills and the tools that they need to be effective in their roles of leading people. Well, you touched on the fact that many people who are great at what they do all of a sudden become a manager, and they oftentimes don't get that leadership development, and the next thing you know, they are hiring and asking some of those questions that can get you in deep water. So would you mind, uh, in hot water, I should say, so do you mind sharing just a, a few of those, hey, don't ever ask this type question because you don't want to know the answer? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, ultimately, the, the driver of the question should be, it should be job-related right? So what is it about the job that requires you to ask any given question? So a question, for example, that you shouldn't be asking should be, it should, you, you should stay away from age-related questions, right? So even something is, is maybe insignificant to you as what year did you graduate high school? Well, all you need to know is that they graduated high school. You don't need to know what year it is. And the year that they graduated from high school now tells you how old they are traditionally, mm-hmm. at least within one or two years, <laughs> depending on how long it took you to get through high school. Yeah. Uh, so it then gives you an idea of how old somebody is. And then because you now have that information, if you make a decision that goes against maybe hiring somebody, even if it's not the driving decision uh, or the driver of why you made that decision, if the applicant feels like it is, then you could be open to litigation. You could be open to lawsuits because you asked a question that eventually gave them, gave you their age, which then, in their mind, led them to believe that you made an age-related decision regarding employment. That's one of a boatload of examples. Uh, and it's a very, you know, common question. Another common question is, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, that's not even effective. I mean, what, what are you trying to get at with that question? We need to have questions that are going to really dig into the behaviors, the job requirements, of what you need to be successful in the role. When you leave an open-ended question out there like that, now you're open to the uh, applicant telling you all kinds of things about them that may not be job-related at all. But now that they've shared it with you, you may take it into consideration, and it may go against them getting the job, which may or may not open you up to uh, liability down the road. So we just have to be very strategic in the questions we're asking, making sure that they're job-specific so that you don't get in hot water down the road. So those open-ended questions could potentially bias you. So a closed-ended question, like, for example, uh, what do you think you bring to the organization is something that's effective? Sure, absolutely, right? What are your strengths, weaknesses? Uh, we get into specifics with regards to the job. Once we have the job uh, job description, and, and really that's what should be driving your questions, is you should be creating questions in the interview that answer questions from the job description. We want to make sure that this, the applicant has the skills and behaviors necessary to be successful in the role. That should all be in your job description. So just use your job description to create behavioral-based questions that you can then ask in the interview. You know, let's get back to the point you made about employee engagement. I would think uh, with COVID happening, there's a lot of clubs that are probably suffering from low morale or potentially a toxic work environment. What are your advice and your guidance for them? Absolutely. Well, when it comes to engagement, um, you know, engagement is kind of the difference between what I refer to as a have-to employee versus a want-to employee. So a have-to employee, those are employees that are there because they have to be there, <laughs> right? Mm. Uh, they're working because they have to. They're not really uh, excited about their job. They're not really, uh, they, they don't really feel like they maybe do a good job at what they're doing. And so they're just meeting the minimum requirements to get by. 
However, on the other hand, when we think about engaged employees, those are want-to employees. Those are employees there because they want to be there. They're much more productive. They're much more efficient. Uh, and, uh, and, and they give a lot more discretionary effort because they're doing something that comes naturally to them. But engagement has these four forces that just keep fighting against engagement in our workplace. And they're, one of them is job fit, which we've talked about at length, right? It's making sure that you get somebody that's naturally suited for the role, making sure that, uh, that you're defining the job really well, that your hiring practices are not sloppy, that, uh, that you're really being purposeful in terms of how you're selecting people into roles and making sure that they're good fits for the role moving forward. If you have somebody in a job that doesn't suit them well, it is a natural disengagement recipe for disaster. So you want to make sure that you're fighting against that in, make, in, in ensuring you have really strong hiring practices and well-defined roles. Another reason uh, that will quickly bring down engagement uh, is the manager. It's a tough one to hear because it's all managers that are listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, the relationship between employees and their manager is critical, yet many managers are poorly equipped or maybe not trained effectively to understand their employees' needs, and they struggle to communicate, and they struggle to motivate their employees. And so when you've got that mismatch, that can bring down engagement significantly. Um, certainly the team that an employee works on, that's another factor that can drive down engagement. If you have a team that's not working effectively, if it's a toxic work environment, if they have an inability to manage tensions with one another, or uh, they can't collaborate well, or they don't, you know, they just don't communicate well, that will bring down engagement. And then the, the fourth force of disengagement is the, the actual club itself. Um, if, if I'm an employee and I don't feel like I belong, if I don't feel like my values and my beliefs and, and, and what's important to me aligns with what the club's values and beliefs are, it's a natural driver for disengagement. So if I feel out of tune, if I don't trust the leadership, all of those sorts of things can really drive down engagement. And so as a whole, as an employer, we've got to make sure that we're fighting against those four forces so that engagement can continue to soar, productivity can continue to soar, and, uh, and our clubs can achieve what we're trying to achieve. So how often should an employer, a manager, if you will, reach out and try to get uh, the temperature of their team? Oh, as much as they can. Uh, I encourage one-on-ones, whether they're weekly, whether they're bi-weekly, uh, once a month, whatever works best. Uh, but having uh, an opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with the manager is a huge driver for an engagement because uh, they get some one-on-one -on -one time. They get uh, some focus on them. And it's also an opportunity for you as the manager and the leader to help clarify what the expectations are, help keep them connected to the rest of the business operation. It's also an opportunity to have those development conversations about what do you want to learn? How can I help you get to where you want to go? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> those sorts of things uh, come from those one-on-one -on -one conversations. So that the more that those happen, uh, the more impact they will they will make on on the employee and, and their performance within the club. Well, Jody, you hit on quite a bit here. We may need an HR consultant if there's a lack of process and policy developing managers and employee engagement. You really hit on a lot, and that ties in very nicely with the people strategy that we alluded, alluded to earlier and, of course, the value of an HR audit. I know people are going to want to reach out to you, and they can do that through the Copland Keebler website, I suppose, correct? Yes, absolutely, or the email, my email address is Jody, J-O-D-I-E, at K-K and 
A-N-D-W.com. Well, I was really fascinated by this, Jody. Thank you for your valuable insight. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to the KKNW podcast. To learn more about Copland, Keebler, and Wallace and how their team can help your organization, to learn more about Jody and how she can come in and help you with your HR audit, you can visit com. Until next time, I'm Corey Sabin from videobolt.com. Have a great day.